Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything, from T-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets, and of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days. Like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection, or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes in celebration of episode 100. Welcome to supersized Turned Out of Punk Footnotes, or maybe this should be called Turned Out of Punk Endnotes. I am one of your hosts, as always, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend, and now IRL friends with our guests, Chris O'Toole. Chris. <laughs> How are you doing, buddy? Howdy. Good. Good. Well, I guess we should, uh, should wa- do you want to introduce our guests or should I, or what, how do you want to do this? Why don't we pick one each? Okay, go. All right. And I wish I could remember how to do the wrestling. I can't remember how to do the wrestling cue ups. But anyway, um, yeah, leave the wrestling talk with to us. me, buddy. You, I'll if, you, if, you handle your uh, your uh, soccer talk. Hey, if we <laughs> want to go there. I can have that. Um, but uh, we have one of the Daves we know. I'm going to introduce, starting with Dave, previous guest, Dave Ackerman. Thank you for joining us. Uh, my pleasure to be here. Yes, Dave, of course. If only we had... If We're stepping on each other already. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> I, I know. I was going to say, if only we had someone that knew of something about wrestling to, to show us how to do a wrestling intro. I know. I know. Well, I will now introduce the other Dave we know. Also, my friend and future guest, uh, Dave Martin. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. As I was telling you guys off air, I think between the four of us, we have every guest that's been on this show covered either geographically or we know a lot about the scene they came from. Because it's not like every guest that's been on the show I'm an expert on by any stretch of the imagination. You know, like there were certain things, for instance, that were brought up in the Chris Gethard episode that, uh, Dave, it up, you uh, illuminated to me in a major way uh, and kind of exposed me to to other truths when you were on your episode. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I, if, if you find yourself at what they, someone claims to be their first show, then you feel, you know, like you have something to investment on that. Yeah, absolutely. Episode. Absolutely. And then uh, Dave Martin, by the same token, you have told me stuff about my mom's punk past or, or music past 
that I had no idea about, too. And that's my mom. <laughs> I think that sounds weirder than it is. That's what I intended it to sound, Dave. That Don't worry, buddy. I, I made it sound weird there. I did that deliberately. And it's with my mom. That's how, that's how weird the show gets <laughs> right off the top. Um... I guess, like, but thank you both for coming on the show. We are going to uh, talk today about a lot of stuff. Uh, we're going to do kind of a, a different sort of format, eh, Chris, we talked about today? Sure, yeah. Uh, we're going to be just kind of like, you know, not going to be diving into the mailbag in the same way we normally do. This week, we're going to be diving into all that stuff next week on the show. Uh, and trust me, next week's going to be a crazy show. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but... For this week, we're going to keep it to stuff specifically about episode 100 or episodes that people find their favorite or interesting or other episodes that people want to talk about. And we'll use that as a a jumping off point to have a greater conversation. All right. Indeed. No, no opposition was <laughs> yeah, expressed, yeah. so that's what I'm going to go with. Um, uh, I guess, Chris, why don't we start by uh, jumping into the mailbag? Who, who, or what has written in this week with a concern? Okay, so the first one I'm going to hop to here because it would complete the the trifecta of our correspondence. Uh, although this person obviously is not here with us, but uh, Shell from Norway uh, wrote in again. Did not complete the list yet. Uh, but did say that uh, his favorite episode is the Robbie Brookside one, uh, as I think a good number of people's is. Uh, mentioned liking the Nate Mandel episode, and uh, he even added a worst, which is the flag one by his consideration. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a divisive episode, that flag one. Um. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't think it can be considered the worst. Uh, it, it exists... Of and by itself, (laughs) it is an anomaly, and I mean, it's it's just too insane to be considered the worst. (laughs) Good point. I I feel like with with Keith Morris being a part of something, it's going to be hard to really like keep a a focus on a conversation, and with the other variables mixing into it, I think it just becomes like a real thing to just keep on the rails. And I don't think it was the worst episode. Well, speaking of Keith Morris, have either of you gentlemen read his book yet? Well, I haven't. And since Saturday, I have not. Okay, no, since I, I told you on Saturday. Well, that, I was uh, Dave, for the for the sake of the audience, they don't know that we hung out on Saturday yet. I hadn't given that. Oh, okay, <laughs> but no, I have not. Okay, well, have have you seen the uh, Circle Jerks documentary? Just to at least try to say that I'm you know keeping up with my Circle Jerks points. No, I got they didn't the, uh, bring that. My up. career as a jerk. No, I got to see that. Is it good? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. It gets a. Uh, Spoiler, it gets a little depressing at the end. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it is it is a, a pretty interesting documentary. Uh, Keith? It's a, I bought it on a, a little website called Amazon, I believe, and, uh, you know, it's worth watching. Oh, yeah, well, you know, like Keith in the book, uh, certainly uh, there's no love loss for the Circle Jerks that really at all. And he really uh, uh, doesn't leave uh, a lot of punches pulled. On, on them or that subject matter. He does not bring up the documentary, however, though. 
Well, it seems like the other members kind of slag him a little bit by the end. So maybe yeah. he probably, I, I, I'd assume you'd watch a documentary on yourself. Um, so maybe he felt that he needed to retaliate a little bit in his book. His book is like, it, it cuts pretty close to the bone on a lot of subjects. There's like, like bad religion doesn't get off too easy either. It's, it's really, it is an interesting book. I, I think, uh, I think I recommend you read it. Um, you know, oh, I'll I'll definitely read it. I I, I got that uh, the replacements book to go to another fee- commonly referenced thing uh, in this podcast, and it's it's quite a doozy. So I have not finished it yet. Have you read that, Dave? Other Dave? I I have not. Uh, n- never been a huge replacements fan. Oh yeah, so that's it's right. not high. On, it's not high on my list. You're, you're one of the few other ones, Dave. You and me. Oh yeah, I am. Uh, that's like that's good because they're one of those bands sometimes where I think like maybe it's just me, like maybe I it's all like just me and I need to get over it. So it's it's reassuring to know that there's others out there because they're a band that like you know it's like you know uh, Patty from D4 though had a good tweet yeah. the other week about him where he's like my naked ray gun is your replacements and i can't remember the other band he said but it was another misfits and replacements so she said i'm like oh that's a that's a pretty good tweet also i mean just just to be clear they're a band that has more bad records than good records even <laughs> though i don't even necessarily care about the good ones that much oh man but dave there's other dave take this ah <laughs> uh. I mean, I'm not like you know, like on their street team, but like I feel like I feel like they have what do they have? Like I'd have to look. I'm not, to try not to cheat, but they, I think they have like two bad records and like four good ones. I mean, I, it's definitely not a perfect catalog by any stretch. And like I went to see them when they played ACL here, and they definitely played stuff that I didn't know per, per, you know well or care about. I mean, I think they have a, a, a good chunk of records, but I'm not going to say that they're all great. I think both of you will be satisfied by the replacement stories to bring it back to Keith Morris in Keith Morris's book, because <laughs> there are some yes. doozies of replacement stories in that book. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like uh, I, 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 I think the flag episode that was certainly a really weird one to record. Now I know why Keith probably didn't want to do an episode of the podcast straight up himself prior to the book coming out, because it probably would have (laughs) overlapped a lot with the book. Uh, but Mm -hmm. you know, I like, it was, it was the worst, but at the same time, like, and I walked away from it certainly (laughs) feeling like, you know, it wasn't, I didn't get what I wanted, but at the same time, I definitely walked away. Like I just got kind of punished by like a collection of heroes of mine and so it was kind of cool at the same time yeah i mean you walked away with a conversation with a bunch of black flag dudes like that's you know yeah that's a win exactly and uh you know i i I gotta say they were awesome that night i i you know they some of the banter in between songs left a little be desired i'm not gonna lie on that front but uh, there was, it, it was, you know, Des and Keith both had incredible voices and, you know, they, they played really well. Like they were a tight band and like, I don't know, like maybe I'm just so old it 
old at this point that I'm past the point of being like resentful of bands getting back together and doing reunions. Like I'm now just kind of like trying to see the good in everything, I guess. But I thought they were awesome. I had a really fun time at that show. So that added to my experience too. Yeah. I mean, I, they, I saw them at fun, fun, fun here and I, I thought it was good. I, I was not up front. I took a, a pretty far away centered, pay attention to the whole thing spot just to see how it goes. How would you have felt though, Dave? Cause you were someone I would have described as a black flag obsessive. Like if this reunion had happened when you were in your like mid twenties, do you think it would have been backed it or been anti it? Well, I mean the, the one with Rollins came through while I was in Europe. So I did not see it. Yeah. But because of, I did, I did fly to California for the, uh, famed benefit for cats oh you were at that show uh, oh yeah I, I flew out for it <laughs> oh. uh, um yeah i mean obviously if that had happened t- 10 plus years earlier i would have been there you know it would have made a lot more of a i wouldn't have had the option of sitting being in the back and trying to take it all in like i would have been up front probably not hearing a good mix yeah. And, you know, having a great time. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The benefit for cats was not one of those ones that left you feeling <laughs> that you had a great time. I'll no, be honest. <laughs> no, to add another Dave to the party, our Dave, uh, Chris and my friend Dave from um, uh, Dirty Black Summer uh, went, or Dirty BS, I guess they were actually called by that point, went down for it too. I think he took the bus down, right, Chris? Do you remember that? No, I didn't, I didn't go to that. You th- you've confused me a couple no, Dave, times with Dave, that. Dave went to it. I didn't say you did. Dave did. Sorry, I thought you were throwing me in there. No, no I, I didn't go. Your yeah, I think... No, don't worry. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah uh, he I've heard bus. tell. Yeah, that he had. I think he took a bus from Toronto to where was it? Like Orange County, Dave? Yeah, yeah. It was. Oh. I stayed with John Westbrook. It was it was somewhere out there. <laughs> oh, that's another favorite person on this podcast. Uh, but yeah, so. <laughs> You know, and, and it was like a, what, like a automated bass machine. I think Mike Vallely sung a bunch of the songs. Uh, you, I don't know you were there. They changed. They changed the TV shows to be more like current, but still kind of dated TV <laughs> shows to name during TV party. Um, oh yeah, no yeah. way! Really? Yeah, yeah. That's rough. And it's one of those things where, like, you couldn't – it would never li- live up to the expectations that your brain makes for it. Like, yeah. you just wonder if they're like, oh, man, maybe they'll all come out and do this. You know, like, it could be could be crazy. Because it was, like – it was one of those things, like, people do with, like, your, your Coachellas where you, like – you bought tickets, like, pretty much sight unseen. Like, whatever this Black Flag thing is going to be, like, I'm buying tickets now and tickets to both days. How – you know, and then the more of the – you know, the the curtain opens up a little bit wider as it gets close and you realize there's like program bass tracks and and with a program bass track, as you can find lots of like fails on the internet, when it starts to like fall off, it there's no like getting back into the rhythm. Yeah. So it's it, it it once it would like those side two of my war kind of songs started to lose their spot. <laughs> it was uh oh. it was pretty hard oh. to like get back in the rhythm. <laughs> Gotta yeah. say, this does not sound uh, very good, Dave. How many times? No, did you see, uh, Dave, Dave Martin. How many times did you see Flag or did you see Black Flag? I should say, just once. Just, just once. What era? Um, in my head era. Oh, okay, that was it. Was a yeah. good live at the still at that point. 
Oh, I mean, it was great. I was very young. And so like it was, you know, uh, I mean, on one hand, it was it was I mean, it was amazing. I was seeing Black Flag, but at the same time, it didn't seem crazy or anything. Yeah. You know, they were just, you know, a band on tour and, you know, with with a record that I didn't like as much as the old ones, but still liked. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was great. You what? know, they they, you know. So. What was the lineup? Although I have to say, one of the um, Rollins, Ginn, um, I can't remember who played bass, and I'm not even sure if it was Bill Stevenson on, on drums or not. Um, It'd probably be Anthony Martinez you know, and Sal, or or uh, yeah, I mean, other, yeah. I want to say it was you know 1985 or six. You know, I mean, so. On the record, it's got Kira on bass. Was it was it the female bass yeah. player? Well, that's what I can't remember. Yeah. Um, I, I, she, I don't think she did the '86. She didn't do the '86 tour. That like the two yeah. like Heshers they had at that point just looked like they both kind of just looked like Rudy Sarzo from White Snake. Like they were two just like <laughs> bland like Hesher guys. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, truthfully, like beyond. Rollins and Ginn, I, I don't have much memory of of the, you know the rest of the band. You know, yeah, I was transfixed by them. Yeah, I guess he's like he's still always been that guy as far as the front person goes, and so. Oh yeah, I mean it was it was it was full on. It was crazy. You know, <laughs> Keith definitely alludes to the fact in the book that people consider uh, it's amazing how honest he is about like the Black Flag singer stuff he's like you know people consider des to be the best singer for black flag and stuff and he goes he's like about rollins he takes a couple couple like little points about rollins in it too and stuff it's a it's a fun read to bring it back to that book again once again another free plug for that book um but i guess dave uh sorry chris what do we have otherwise in the mailbag we just have a bunch of top tens. Well, Dave Martin sent in some email. I don't know if he wants to discuss the the subjects that he sent in, but I don't. Uh, I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> what are the subjects? One was regarding the haunted uh, from the, your mother's interview. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, well, let's talk about the haunted because like I think that was the thing, uh, Dave. That like really surprised me is is how much taken aback you were about The Haunted. What's the deal with The Haunted? Well, I mean, the amazing thing was that, obviously, so your dad goes deep, and he's got so many heavy hitters, you know. I mean, just the list of bands was crazy, and then, like, the time frame when he saw them, that's kind of like, you know, your classic rock dude wet dream. Yeah. You know, like, all this stuff. But then your mom is just like casually like, oh, I don't know, the haunted. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just like, you know, just upping it just slightly without knowing, caring, anything. It was just, it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And that that record. So I haven't heard the haunted. Is it like garage stuff or? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the song one, two, five is truly is like a 60s punk classic, hands down. Uh, is on the Nuggets Volume 2 box set. Oh, okay. Gotcha. 
you know, like, you know, the, the one that was all XUS stuff. Um, I first heard the song as covered by the Lime Spiders. It was blown away by it to only find out that the Lime Spiders version is a mere shadow of the haunted version. <laughs> wow. <laughs> What what Lime Spiders so, covered on? Is it on a single or is it on one of the LPs or what? Uh, no, it, um, it was on a single and then it was collected on that um, big time record. What okay. was it? Uh, um, whatever. It's like that. I, I can't even remember what that record is called now. They had a but, major uh, label deal, at least in Canada, because I think that LP's on Virgin here. Like, yes. Yeah. Which I was, um, that was amazing. This was before that. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess they they had quite like a a long history. Uh, it, the record is called Slave Girl. Okay. Okay. Heavy and, title. Uh, yeah, yeah. They had some, you know, very very uh, progressive views. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> uh, you don't see an Australian band? What? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Meanwhile, they were probably considered, you know, wimpy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's like. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's Australia's like I find, like more than any other place I've been, the craziest for records because every record you pick up that's Australian, that's punk will be at least interesting, and it ranges from like kind of quote unquote wimpier stuff like the Lime Spiders to like Rupture, you know. Obviously, the early records by Rupture. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Dodge. You pulled that one. Over. Yeah, I quickly, quickly had to uh, make the adjustment. Uh, <laughs> Just a moment, point of clarity, the, the record you're talking about, Dave, that's a comp. It's actually on their first yeah. single. Yes, yeah, it is It is a comp of their first, I want to say, two singles. Yeah, it's um, on the 25th hour because, single. Double. Yeah, one of, the, one of those singles was a double 7-inch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. First, the first one, it's got it on the D side, yeah. as it claims here, but yeah. Dave, how many cool. records do you have? How many records do I have? Yeah. What? How many records? Oh, I, oh you know, like, probably about just under 5,000 LPs, and oh. um, let me see there. You know... Uh, <laughs> Far too many seven inches. Probably around the same amount of seven inches. Okay. Holy. Yeah. That's yes. impressive. No, Dave's got. Like, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not that many. Too many seven inches, though. I've always uh, wanted to you see know, your collection. I, Yours is like one of those collections that I've always been like. I bet you that's like a, a super interesting, like look at American uh, underground music. And, and international. Yeah, but I've sold music. a lot of records over the years too. Yeah. Living in New York is stupid. It makes yeah. you sell records. So, <laughs> so don't move here, people. You'll have to sell your records. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know it's a, uh, it's actually a reality. I think everyone has to deal with it every city now too. But New York, I can imagine being uh, hyper and and moving in general. I think is a catalyst to selling records because of the whole process of moving records makes you oh, never want to do it again. Makes you never want to yeah. do it again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, True. and also. You know, and then you, then you, it's just a real sort of, you know, a real, a real moment where you're like, why do I have three copies of this record? What could I possibly do with three copies of this record? Mm -hmm. And then you realize how stupid you are. And then, you know, and next <laughs> thing you know, you know, uh, you, so. you regret not taking up stamps. 
Yeah. Something easier to move. Well, yeah. They fit in a small book. It's simple. You flip a few pages, you put it on the shelf, boom, you're done. Yeah, it seems like a real win-win. How many, yeah. how many records do you still have, Dave? David, up. Um, what I'd love to say is 60. Yeah. Um, but I know that it's wrong. Uh, just for, for uh, everyone's benefit, at a point I decided I wanted to try to get my collection down to 30 LPs and 37 inches and wow. not have it just be like, these are the heaviest hitters ever. Like, I, I, cause I feel like that is like a, doesn't say anything about the fan. I feel like that's just, that's, that's baseball cards, that's stamps. It's just, it's braggadocious. But uh, I wanted to just have records that were like important to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously some of those are heavy hitters, but you know, whatever. Um, I mean, but but, wait, but then, many, then how, I got, what? How many records have you put out? Oh, those don't count. Those don't count. Records okay. that records I played on don't count because. But I, you know, that that's a different box. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. But I've also in in moving and whatnot. I sold most of in reality all the like tear it up rarities I had, just because it, once again, like no one's ever going to go to like Glenn and be like, oh my god, you have a cough cool? Like, yeah, he was in the Misfits. Why wouldn't <laughs> yeah. he? Um, so like I. I didn't feel like it was like cool to be like have cool records of my own band because like I I played on them, mm-hmm. um, but I I never actually made it down to thirty and thirty, so I probably like at the best got down to like thirty five and forty ish, you know, and then you just get a few records here and there, and they're both I probably still have under a hundred total records wow. between LPs probably. How many? But, I mean, did that's you like. Have? A, Oh, I don't know. Uh, I had like a, a the the standard like four by four expedite IKEA shelf, um, pretty much full, and then I had maybe I don't know like nine seven inch boxes. I don't know. I, I had a, I had a pretty good chunk. Yeah, you had a you had <laughs> and a, then a, I, you know, but insane collection from what legend told. Yeah, and then at a certain point, that it's just like well, it's like like having like a rather complete black flag collection and i i mean by like test presses and and stuff like that type complete not, not like i have all the albums um and certainly it's like i i never saw them you know like so it just became like these aren't my, my memories so i felt like if i have test presses and rejected test presses of black flag records like it, it didn't you know it didn't make me there so I, you know, I still have a nervous breakdown. You know, I still have a damaged. I, those are important, but I, I don't still have like the acetates for damaged or like a rejected jealous again. Wow. Whoa. What's the rejected jealous again? What's the deal with that one? Uh, it just had like less bass. Like you really want it to be like crazy, and it was really just like like some real nitpicking by one of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, like and and the acetates I listened to like to see if there was any reason that I needed to like tape it so I didn't have to play them. And it just sounded like the record. Like, it yeah. didn't sound weird. Yeah. But the re- Rejected Jealous Again was was very similar to Real Jealous Again. I want to say it just didn't have enough bass, you know? So it was like, oh, all right. <laughs> wow. File that away. Yeah. There goes, there goes, you know, a week's pay. Cool. <laughs> that's important. Um, but yeah. But that's, you know... I'm not knocking record collecting by any stretch. I, I did it for a long time, and I, I'm... I just don't. If I if money was not an issue, 
then I would, you know, still do it. I think that would be uh, an interesting game to play because, granted, I, I, I don't think I could actually do it in reality. I know I can't. But, like, to try and pare it down to 100 records but using that criteria where you're not trying to just keep your, like, 100 most valuable records according to Discogs and Collector Frenzy uh, ratings. You're, like, actually trying to biographically keep most important records to you. Um, yeah, be an interesting, it would be an interesting thing to try and do. It's, it's extremely hard. And then, but it's like anything, like, because, I mean, there were certain things, like, I never, like, to go to a previous conversation, like, I never had a kids will have their say. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, it's like, you know, I'm going to break my exclaim collection because I'm just, I'm just never going to get that one I never got. Because yeah. it was, a, you, I knew one person that found a cheap one. Yeah, because there was a store in New York around the corner from Generation. It was called like the Subterranean Records. Yeah. Um, it was it was like the next street over from Generation. If if Dave, how when did you move to New York? Uh, Nineteen ninety six. Okay, so if you remember that store, because it was definitely there in ninety six, they had a rule of thumb of just like pricing everything at twenty five dollars. It seemed like like whether it be like exploited horror epics or whether it be kids have their say. Oh, this record's old. Twenty five dollars. <laughs> um, so, so wow. Frank, the the base, the, who's in Uprise and was in Dead Nation, got a kids got a kids allowed their stay for twenty five dollars there wow, because it wow. was just like what they price things at, and they you know they didn't know. Yeah. Um, but you know that was not a common score. But everyone else, you know, even when those other records were still kind of like you could find them here and there, that one was like, you know. As, you know, three hundred dollars. So, like, it was way more than all the other ones. Like, yeah. you could get like an eighty dollar, you know, Brotherhood, and then if kids was still three hundred. And it's like I'll never get a kids' leather say, so I might as well stop trying. I sold all my hardcore CDs and punk CDs and took all the money and bought kids' leather say, and it was like I think it was two hundred and fifty dollars, three hundred dollars Canadian back then, because um, there was one for sale in Toronto. <laughs> there was a there was a guy his name was Mike Snyder still is I'm sure um, he he worked at uh, Bleaker Bob's and he opened a, or was it Welfare Records in outside of Boston oh yeah I remember Welfare King Records. Mike yeah yeah King Mike if you want to talk talk eBay names <laughs> um, at, at one point he uh, he was selling he was had a record store and he was decided that he didn't want singles anymore yeah he just wanted right. LPs. Wow. So I went, I went up there when the Splitting Headache band was in played Boston, and I I don't remember how I brokered this beforehand, but I I brought up like a milk crate of like just your run of the mill like seven dollar bullshit like record you buy because you know like whatever label was cool put it out and you listen to it once and don't care about it mm-hmm. like just just collection filler but a yeah. milk crate of it up to his store and then just left there with like. 12 singles and uh the pe- the girl I was with at the time is just like isn't that weird that you just like had like a milk crate and you're walking away with like a, a, a you know a handful of seven inches and I was like <laughs> this is this is totally ideal that I don't have I'm not going to name names because I'm you know I don't want to do that you don't want to kiss and tell you know, that I don't have these records yeah I don't have these records anymore but like I walked away with like two Gigi Allen singles and some other stuff and it's like okay well I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. 
because I could definitely go buy, you know, the Demad LP again. You know, yeah. it's not like uh, stuff. It was just like you know, regular records. Leave there with I don't even think it was twenty. Kind of heavy hitter, like middle grade, uh, seven inches because he just didn't want singles anymore. Yeah, like I I one time traded. Like a bunch of, I had like all these weird, I had like a bunch of stuff of Metallica records. It's just like, you know, stuff I had multiple, weird, for some reason, multiple copies of, like different pressings of. And I just took them all in, all the multiple pressings I had of this stuff in one day to this record store in Toronto and just traded it for the United Blood 7 inch. Because I was like, I don't need multiple copies of this stuff. And I certainly would love to get a copy of United Blood and do not have money to buy it. So this is the only way I'm going to get it. Yeah, and and like that's one of those things that it's 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 hard it, from either side of that trade. Yeah, um, you know, you could be like, I got rid of one record, now I have like these records I wanted. But like, it's way easier to buy. You know, I don't want to feel like doing math here, but buying a whole bunch of twenty five dollar records because you can just slowly buy them back. Yeah, versus it's- buying one three hundred dollar record. Exactly. My thought, and also like my, my, uh, I think for the point of view of a store, it makes more sense for them economically to be able to sell all these 12 inches. But for me, it's like, you know, I'm definitely going to get much more enjoyment and ultimately probably hold on to for longer the single than I would all these LPs. Like, I think that's the economics of like collectibles in general. Like one is not necessarily less than many when it comes to this world. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, but now we should move on to another email or start some of these lists, Chris. I guess. Yeah, sure. Well, how do you want to do this? Because we have some people wrote in. We can go through some of those. But I'm wondering if you want to solicit the Daves here and if they have any like top episodes they want to discuss or something of that nature. Well, I figure why don't we go through everyone else's list and then between all of us, I'm sure if there's anything that's left out, we can chime in about it. But you know. What do you, unless you all have your own list prepared that you want to go through yourselves? Uh, I made like little notes more than a, a solid list. Okay, then that's. Okay. I made a lot of notes to be honest, but yeah. Dave, Mr. Martin? Well, I, I made a small list too. I mean, some of it was covered by uh, both of you uh, last week. You know, right. some, of the, some of the episodes are just undeniable that they are, you know. Um, you know, but, but I have a few that maybe were not covered. Okay, well, like, well, why don't we do the mailbag stuff, and then if there's stuff that you still, at the end, Dave, want to go into, I would love to hear you, some of your points, because, you know, you both, and also Cal, who we will have on in a future one of these, definitely for sure, uh, the three of you are some of our more uh, active contributors. Um, yeah. Definitely, and, and uh, you know, and some of our more, uh, you know, some of our more learned members of the uh, larger music community, I would say, too, certainly in this world. Um, both people I respect the knowledge of greatly. Um, and so let's move on with that weird, awkward transition, Chris. <laughs> All right. So the first list here we'll go through is Ben Ben L. wrote in. Uh, I'll just go through the top ten real quick. Yeah. He writes, uh, I don't know if they're in any order of importance that wasn't mentioned, but I'll just one to ten. So one, he lists is Steve McDonald. The Worcester episode is number two. Uh, the Tony Urba episode is three, which I did not put on and felt bad about. Uh, four, Kickball Katie. Uh, five, the Michael Alago, as we mentioned. Uh, six, just as Walter, I'm assuming that means the Walter Schreifels episode. I don't think you've interviewed anyone else named Walter. Uh, not yet. And seven, Jason 
Hamacher. Am I saying that right? Jason Hamacher. Yeah. yeah. And uh, eight, Brian Venerable, which is a great episode too. Agreed. Uh, nine, Casey Watson, and ten, Ben Blackwell also. So there you go. Oh uh, yeah, no, I. Those. I'm sorry. No, no, go on, buddy. No, no, that, I, I definitely think those are, uh, you know, like ultimately like some of my favorite ones. Yeah, like we didn't. Uh, did we talk about Brian Venerable's one on the episode one hundred? We didn't discuss it. No, as far as I know, but it's a it's a great episode. That's probably the coolest one of the coolest things that came out of people writing me emails. Like someone wrote me an email being like, "Yo, did you know that Brian Venerable?" Saying backups on the raid seven inch, or no, he said was in raid, and yeah. so I texted uh, my manager Brian Schwartz, who also manages Lucero, and I'm like, "Yo, can you ask this guy Brian Venerable if he was in raid?" <laughs> and he wrote back, and he's like, "No, he's in." He said he's not. He wasn't in raid, but he did sing backups on the seven inch, and he was part of Stomp Crew. And then he forwarded me a photo of the cross Judge Hammers tattoo that Brian has. And I was like, oh my fucking God, this is going to blow my mind. I want to say that that was one of my, that's on my list as one of my favorite episodes because it was like just uh, completely unexpected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like whatever your preconceived notion of Lucero was or is. To yep. then have that episode just be like what that episode was, I think was it made it one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I have to say so as well. Like, I mean, my I think my uh, uh, my opinion of Lucero was I didn't have one. I mean, I knew Same. they were a band. I don't. I still I don't think I've ever heard them. Um, and uh, but man, it was it was great. Yeah, like and I to comment on that. Yeah, no, go on. Sorry, go on, Dave. I was gonna say to comment on that that list that we just read. I'll say that the Tony Erba one was also the very first episode of the podcast that I listened to. I believe. I think that was the one. I'm like, all right, let's let's listen to these two people that I know talk to each other. I think that's how I first heard the podcast. <laughs> that's that was my goal. If I eventually have someone that everyone knows on, we'll build up a massive listener. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, Tony, uh, yeah, like Tony, obviously, you know, for anyone who's into, especially, you know, like, like our era of hardcore being like, you know, when tear it up and to fucked up era uh, of bands, it was like he's a he's a god, like he's a he's like really like there's few beyond kind of Tony in I think people's esteem i would say i don't know i don't mean to speak for you dave no no i mean he he was you know any this will to this will be a, a theme but that when people are like real sleeper hits that you know like oh the guy from like face value and he's someone who knows a shitload about like japanese hardcore and like the, the like proper u.s hardcore mm-hmm. it's always like it's always like I you know make brings a smile to my face. It's very eye opening when you know it's like someone knows there's more to someone than what you think initially. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, Chris, I don't know. Uh, yeah, like you said, you regretted not having that on your list. Well, it was kind of an obvious one, and I, it gave me a huge hole in Cleveland as far as covering things geographically in the U.S. Mm-hmm. on my list. But mm-hmm. it was just like 
I find him endlessly entertaining as well, but I just, yeah, I couldn't fit it in. Ten's hard to do. It's hard to bake it down to ten and make it, you it know. Is, it is quite hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I think uh, uh, apart from that, I think we'll get into other ones that were brought up on that list. Uh, John Worcester. I think we talked about John Worcester in episode 100, but one of the funniest guests I've had on and certainly someone that, you know, I, I like I have spent more time probably listening to him talk than anyone on earth, including myself, maybe both, <laughs> both the best show related podcasts are very, even as someone like, even as someone who's not very familiar with the best show, they're both like, they're not super nerdy that you, you need to be part of that world to follow those podcasts. They were both, both of them were very good. Yeah. Like I could have definitely fell down that path because believe me, there was temptation just to be like, let's just ask about individual calls and ask like questions about different <laughs> different characters, but uh, I think like they are you know yeah one of yeah, like for me one of the funniest comedy teams ever and like I can't think of more consistent long running teams than that like people that are doing a weekly show that has hit for me as much as the stuff that they've done over the years. But mm-hmm. uh, Dave, you've worked with uh, John Worcester, Mister Martin, right? Uh, I don't, I know, not quite. No. Um, I mean, were they on the label? No, I, I, you know, super chunk. No, no. After I, they were gone by the time I, I, I worked at Matador. So, uh, and I mean, although I guess maybe the mountain goats, um, were on 4ID when I worked there. Yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, uh, most of our interaction was obviously with, with, uh, with John Darnell, but uh, but sure, yeah, I've worked with them. We're colleagues. Yo, I, I, that's someone that I gotta try and get on this podcast. Still, is John from Mountain Goats, and it's been oh, like danced around for a while, and it just hasn't happened. But my God, he was on the same label as Anti Scene. Oh yeah, yeah, on the same label as Anti Scene. You know, I mean, and uh, um, and uh, on the same label as um. Uh, I'm spacing on the name uh, of um, uh, Gerard just put out the two records by them. Uh, okay. Stickman with Ray Guns. Oh, really? What? What? Lady? Yeah, yeah. He had a record on what? It, who? Uh, who was it who did that Stickman with Ray Guns CD back in the day? Was uh, it Essential Vacuum. No, no, no. It was on. Um, here, well, gee, if only there was a website that would I tell know. us. No, if only there was something <laughs> on the internet that could tell us every record ever made, at least minus the thousand plus that I found in my collection that's not on there for some reason. Yet. Uh, oh, I know that's the worst. I know. You, you CD. Like... Some people deserve to suffer on Imperial Jones. Emperor yes. Jones. Pardon me. Jones. Yes. Ever. Jones, yes. Really? There you go. Emperor Jones, recording artist. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so that's what like, I'm here for. Yeah, and also concept record about pro wrestling. You can't go much cooler than that, too. So, you know, like there's... In fact, you're pretty much fired that you haven't had him on yet. Well, I've tried. You know, you're supposed to come on geez. on the last press run. It's not my fault. You know, I'm over here. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. You know, I've had on, I've had on the rhythm section practically. Yeah. So, uh, 
Uh, well, dude, man's got a book coming out soon, so he's uh, he'll. Well, if he comes, somebody in, will tell him he should be on. He will. If if you if anyone sees him around, mention this podcast to him. Tom Bryan, the host of my uh, wrestling podcast, uh, goes to wrestling shows with him. You know, so there you go. Oh yeah, they're like neighbors, right? Yeah. Well, I, I don't. Yeah, I guess they're neighbors, or I guess they've, they've definitely hung out, and, and he's kind of like. They they had a commonality over pro wrestling and have gone to some shows together again. So, I don't know. You know, it's going to happen hopefully one day. Is because because you know there's a lot of questions, a lot of questions to get to. Anyway, this is a digression that we do uh, not need to go into anymore today. Uh, next <laughs> email list, Chris. All right, next email. Um, I just want to make sure we read. Yeah, that was Ben's last one. We have Paul next. He gave fourteen. Okay, which well. goes to show doing ten is hard. Um, but uh, Sharpling and Worcester one and two. Uh, Amanda Steptoe, also known as Spike from Degrassi, number three. Don Pyle of uh, Shadowy Men, number four. Katie Goodman, I'm assuming Kickball Katie, right? Yeah, number yeah. five. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Spencer six. Steve McLeod, or sorry, McDonald, pardon me, from Off and uh, Red Cross and whatnot. Uh, Michael Alago eight. Uh, Anthony Bourdain at nine, which is another one that was really good, I thought. Um, Meredith Graves, 10. Fred Armisen, 11. Laura Jane Grace, 12. Fat Mike, 13. And the Melvins, 14. All right. Yep. I, uh, I like, I, Katie's another one that, like, I really early on, someone I wanted to have on the podcast because, you know, I, I would see her at, you know, I think, I think for one of the first times I saw her at a show was like maybe the Tear It Up Ruination tour. Tear it up time, tear it up and ruination. Sorry, played together at ABC No Rio, but maybe not. Maybe, it was, but it was around then. She would have been pretty young at that point. Okay, I don't know if she would have been that. there. Yeah, but. it must have been after that um, type thing. But definitely, I remember seeing her in that scene. You know, maybe it was, actually, mm-hmm. you know what? It's probably the grease trucks by the grease trucks, the basement shows that used to happen right by there. Because she's from from North Jersey, like yeah. Bergen County, and then she but she and moved she, down, right? Yeah. To go to, she went to Rutgers. She moved to New Brunswick in what, probably 05, 06. Okay, yeah. So it would have been much later yeah. than that for a nation. Tear yeah. Up, so. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like Zoe and I definitely remember seeing it like shows, like hardcore shows, and then, you know, obviously end up <laughs> playing with quite a bit and Vivian Girls, and now as someone who's gone on to kind of have you know her own really successful kind of solo career doing a bunch of different projects including including a recent punk cover record right there uh, yeah and her uh lucera is playing austin tomorrow so i will see her tomorrow oh really were you homies but, you with her back then yeah okay yeah i, I know awesome. so I'll, I'll go see her tomorrow awesome well that's like a <clears throat> she's got that punk what's her punk covers record called again Gonna have to look it up on the. Uh, yeah, I, the I'm not sure. I, but I, I know that it. I know that it exists, and it's. Uh, oh, it's just her and Punk. It. It's called "Take It, It's Yours." Yeah. And they do "Over the Edge," "Pay to Come," "Bastards of the Young." There you go, Dave. Uh, Sex Beast, mm-hmm. "Ever <laughs> Fallen in Love," "Where Eagles Dare," "I Want to Be Your Dog," "In the City," "Dreaming," and "Rebel Yell." So yeah, that's like a. Honestly, that's a pretty killer list of songs. Yeah, it's a weird cross section. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's all it's all good stuff. Like you know, 
mm-hmm. not the biggest fan. Uh, Dreaming is actually a pretty sick song. In the City is probably like yeah. my, my least favorite on that list by the jam. I thought when you said that at first, it was uh, I Love Living in the City is what oh, I heard. Yeah. I, I, I want to hear that, that yeah. cover. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's the band that does that on Punk Rock Jukebox Volume 1? Velvet <laughs> Flag. Black Velvet Flag. That's it. Uh, my house smells just like a zoo. Chock full. Isn't that like the, it's like a, whatever, Richard Cheese kind of thing? Yeah, that it's like band? a total like swing, like lounge yeah. version of that song. Um, a lounge act, a genuine lounge act? Yeah, yeah. So you could actually see how. Like, like in Repo Man. Like your repo man, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, which is which is circle jerks, right? Yeah. Yep. There you go. They, Keith talks yeah. about that in the book once again. Another plug for that for Keith Morris book. Yeah. yeah. Are you like the are you on the sales team for that? You're really. <laughs> I don't know. I'm that. getting points. I hope. Uh, but um, <laughs> and once again, I can't. I, I'm not standing behind all the language used in the book. I definitely have to put that out there too. <laughs> Or some of the editorial decisions, maybe as well, but it's definitely an interesting read, and I I enjoy it. Um, <laughs> uh, let's uh, I guess let's move on, or unless anyone right. else any, anyone else has, has anything else to say. Sorry, before I move everyone on about that list. I no, think, we can keep going. Uh, no, it's a good list. I mean, yeah, keep going. Okay, Josh B's list is next. He actually boiled it down to ten. This one actually has a bit of a different order than I think a lot of the ones that have come in. So this one uh, I will run down accordingly. Yeah. Um, Lars Fredrickson at one. Davey Havoc, the first interview at number two. Fat Mike at three. Vinny Fiorio for, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Fior, Fiorello? Anyway, four. number four. Yeah. Uh, Brian Venerable, number five. Casey Watson, number six. Oh, both Davey Havocs make the top ten. Number two is at number seven. Schreifels, Walter at 8, uh, Worcester at 9, and KJ Jansen from Chicks Dig It at 10. Oh, oh he's, just being po- he's just being polite by throwing in the Davy Havoc restaurant one. <laughs> <laughs> My dinner with Davy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was like one of those episodes where it was, uh, we had gone. <laughs> How far behind the curtain do you guys want to see right now, gentlemen? <laughs> So we had, I mean, gone, I... we had gone to this vegan restaurant that was delicious, uh, but uh, the food was not sitting very well with me in my stomach. So towards the end of the interview, I'm just really trying to rap because I really just want to go home and use the bathroom. So I'm just like, okay, all right, let's go. Uh, all right, see you later, man. All right, let's finish. Let's finish. So, uh, so that might have been too far behind the curtain. That might have been the. Uh, Dude, where's my car? Audio commentary track. <laughs> Do you ever hear about that story? That's the reason apparently they have to put the warning on audio commentary tracks, like about the studio uh, not uh, endorsing what is said by the actors on the audio commentary because the. Uh, uh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, my copy of Dude, Where's My Car is just on VHS, so I, I do not have the, uh, the commentary track. <laughs> uh, I, I was also uh, myself. I only, I only saw it in the theater, so <laughs> sorry. I mean, I saw it in theaters as well. I mean, come on. We're all, well, we're all, uh, the, you know, when I we're did, all on the same page, right? What I did hear back then about the auto commentary track being uh, so uh, foul, I did throw it on at the video store I worked at at the time. And uh, it is pretty foul. 
It's definitely, I could see that conceivably be why they have the warning. So anyway, that could be my moment right here with that, my dinner with Davey reveal right there. To, to go into uh, audio commentary and I'll immediately drop this, um, has anyone watched another the, another state of mind with the audio commentary tracks? Awesome. There's more than one. The the Mike Ness no, one I, is I, incredible. Because he has he might as well like you or I could definitely Can you give him better. Incredible. <laughs> he doesn't know anything about it. it's just like no. him being quiet and like the dude from the Vandals being like after like long jags of nothing being like so what was going on here like just really forcing it and uh, and then the Sean Stern. Is it Sean and what are the other Stern? Yeah. Um, is like not unintentionally just doing the spinal tap of being like, oh, he's dead. Yeah, yeah, he's dead. You know, about like everyone that's on screen. Um, both are, are well worth the additional price to upgrade your VHS copy. And that's, for, for also, that's also where they reveal that they shot like every single show on tour and that somewhere there is hundreds of hours of footage. That yeah. unseen for that thing, like so that, that's that, horrible. Yeah, that's <laughs> way more important. Yeah, than than the, the lost Canadian TV concerts. I feel like that you guys talk about a lot is the. the I don't of, know. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, buddy. Those are some pretty fucking legendary concerts around here. Them fighting words around this part. <laughs> Uh, but no, you're right. That is that is some legendary lost content right there. Punk. punk yeah, it would content. be great to see them be horrible night after night no. after night. <laughs> it's not, it's yeah, not. just the power of the music really got to him. We just wanted to roll around the crowd, man. Just the energy. I would just be like, <laughs> and hopefully, also many more uh, shots of him crying. <laughs> It's just that sympathetic look, you know. He seems so approachable. I would um, say the to opening in, bands on every night would have been interesting. Like the opening bands in Toronto, I believe well, it was Youth, 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 and Chronic Submission or something, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the opening yeah. bands in I would say Winnipeg were stretch marks, or in, in Edmonton were stretch marks, or anywhere somewhere stretch marks opened. Yes, and I would say almost although all those bands are interesting, that almost any band could seem interesting (laughs) when stacked up against social distortion. (laughs) I love that we have Dave here to do this, so we don't have to get in trouble. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, they there's it's just the artistic choice in it. It wins his episode. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I have been on three tours or two now tours. Now never. I've been on two tours with him. And uh, I have, uh, surprisingly, he has uh, never said a word to me. Um, so I, I don't know if that one's going to be coming too, too soon. I'd love to have him on, though, because that is someone who, you know, uh, you know, uh, Dave, uh, you know, you know, uh, your opinion aside, they, there are a couple tracks, certainly a couple tracks for myself. Probably uh, not. We, <laughs> no, there's definitely tr- like there's definitely tracks, but this this dwarfs the track marks. The, the, this the, oh, those as well, definitely those as definitely well. Probably those um, as well, allegedly. Th- this dwarfs the replacements good album versus bad album comparison. Like <laughs> yeah, like social distortion tr- tracks for sure, but album upon album that you don't care about, Al- albums for days that you don't ever need to see. Yeah, like it. It but it also. A band like I don't know, like did the cult 
when did the cult first emerge? And, like, how did the cult first emerge? Like, what was... Because, like, why them, you know, is my kind of question. Like, you know... The, the, the world had a vacuum for greaser, greaser guys playing pool in a black and white video, and then you're like, here it is. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was they, do have, I mean, they do have bad luck. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, like, and, and I, you know, for all the dress-up punks who were, you know, hitting their mid to late 20s, it was a real easy, safe transition. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's Oh, yeah. 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 You know. It, it, it definitely, you know filled the role that later on uh, in a later generation, I think hot snakes filled for a lot of people too. Um, where it was like the transition record when you got to your late twenties and wanted to transition into a different slower sound or cha- just a change in sound, you know, not saying that hot snakes are at all the social distortion comparable or anything, but uh, I, you know. I saw the only time I ever saw social distortion was in 96 I saw him on the White Light, White Heat, White Trash tour mm-hmm. um, because uh, I was Great visiting title. a friend. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I never owned the record. I just saw them on that tour. I was visiting a friend who had moved from New Jersey to California. And while I was visiting him, it's like, oh, Social Distortion's playing. Like, should we go? And uh, it was like some of the most like death stares like you get for like being punk somewhere. But I was at, like, what was in my head, like, a punk show. Yeah. But because I was not, like, wearing, like, a cowboy hat and, like, you know, like a pack of cigarettes rolled up in my sleeve, like, I was just, like, totally, like, a sore thumb. I was one of two punks at said show and the other being the person I was with. Um, So it was, like, it it was not a, a good time to see Social Distortion in 96 and... Southern California was just like the the broiest dude convention you could be at. I would and, say uh, Southern California yeah. at that time for punk in general would have been like way more intense than any other part of the country. Like just every like you hear about manic Hispanic shows and people getting stabbed at them and stuff at that point, right? Like it, it it's definitely like a, a, a no no. I went to a and an AFI show there that had the and this is going to sound insane talking about a circle pit like this. But it had the most intense circle pit I've ever seen in my life. It was crazy. And, like, it was just people going nuts in this circle pit type thing. So, And that's an AFI show. Yeah. So, I can imagine a social distortion. And I did not mean to open the door of, of social distortion in another state of mind. But the commentary <laughs> track and in a punk conversation, I felt like I wanted to bring it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, how do we get here? We got we already got we got so lost already. We got here from dude where's my car, but I don't remember how we got there. We got here about me talking about my BM. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, next right, team next list or we Yeah. All right. Um just want to make sure, yeah, Davey Havoc twice mentioned in the last one. Yeah. Um so Jeff E, the next list. Uh a little bit of Canadiana content right off the top. Chris Hanna, number one. Yeah. Jesse Gander, number two. Uh, Fat Mike, three. Lars Fredrickson, four. Joey Cape, five. Chris Murphy, again. Canadian, six. Laura Jane Gray, seven. Uh, Nate Newton, I believe that's, he's from Converge, right? Yeah, Nate Converge, Converge, yeah. Yeah. Uh, eight, and Robbie Brookside, nine. And Ryan Penagos? Pen- Pen- I don't know how to pronounce that, sorry. Ryan Penagos. Uh, number ten. Yeah, Ryan. Penagos, there. Yeah, Ryan from Marvel. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Who subsequently has become the vice president of Marvel? 
That's he's, crazy. Yeah, he's, he's like, he's done really well for himself and stuff. And so, yeah, he's he's kind of, uh, you know, no doubt the person you need to go to if you want spoilers for uh, the uh, upcoming seasons of Daredevil and stuff. Let's go get it. I think, uh, yeah, right off the top, Chris Hanna, that's like one of my favorite How I Got Into Punk stories ever. You know, like, I just love the way he talks about... He, of course, tells the story about going to George's house and hearing the MDCLP and being like, take this off, this is garbage, because he was incredibly right-wing at the time as a young person, and then going home and just not being able to get it out of his mind and going out and buying it and listening to it and realizing everything he knew was wrong. And it was just like, the way he says it, I'm not... I'm obviously paraphrasing and not doing it justice it's just like so dramatic and just like god it made me listen to that fucking mdc first record a couple times that night afterwards i'll tell you that much yeah i mean you know you don't hear of a lot of people who use the mdc as their gateway band but they 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 definitely were a force to be reckoned with at, at a point yeah Sorry, the, those early records yeah absolutely uh do you ever see them dave no no, I don't. I don't think I did. That can't be true. Ever? Yeah. They were. I mean, because so. they you could like see them this year, I believe. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, I, they, like they. Yeah, guys, I, uh, they're going to play tonight. I got to go. Yeah, uh, they, yeah. They honestly might be playing at your somewhere in New York City tonight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they would play ABC. I saw them a handful of times. Sorry, my dog has picked something to be mad mad about, but uh, it's okay. Um, MDC. MDC. Yeah, he's like, you, he, he, Milo is also calling bullshit that you never saw MDC. Um, <laughs> this, the, but they would play like ABC. I saw him at ABC, and I, I I don't know if I ever saw him at any other of the New York clubs, but I feel like they'd play around for a while. I feel like I, I saw them a handful of times just by default. I saw them like three times, but certainly not when I would appreciate them, which has, you know, been in the last sort of. 10 years, I'd say I would be incredibly stoked to see them. Uh, and, you know, which which is a shame because, he, like, I saw him in all sorts of weird venue situations. I saw him one time, and the band, a bunch of fucking goofs opened for him. And it was just, like, a bunch of fucking goofs on stage smashing TV sets. Like, literally smashing a bunch of TV sets, playing uh, the BFG set as it's been for a while at that point. And there's just one person in the crowd going nuts. And there's just like a giant fishbowl around them as this one person's thrashing. And then they finish the set. The band comes on and this dude's just like chilling at the front of the stage. And the venue just kind of fills up. Like the opera house too, which is, as Chris can attest, and I don't know if either of you ever went there, but it's like one of the bigger sort of small venues in Toronto. But it's like, you know, a thousand people. It basically pretty much fills up with hundreds of people. And this dude just hops on stage, and he's Dave Dichter, and he starts singing for MDC. <laughs> <laughs> After moshing, he's the only guy who's going nuts for the BFGs, and then he's like, I love that band, I can't believe I got to see him. And then, you know, played, and I got to see him in a small club afterwards. Like, they just, yeah, it's like Dave said, like, you know, you couldn't couldn't trip, and and, you know, but not fall on them at a certain point. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on Mr. Martin's side here. I've never seen them. Really? Well, I guess they only played here in Canada that one time, right? Like, I th- I, as far he, as I he seems, he seems like a guy that would have border crossing difficulties. 
Well, I remember after that tour, it was when I was still like, you know, pretty loyal reader of his column in MRR, reading that he like was like, well, I fell off the wagon and started smoking crack again in London, Ontario. And I was like, oh, wow, that would have been the night after the Toronto shows. Wow. Yeah. And so he talked about being at the Embassy Hotel, which, uh, you know, once again, Chris can attest is a, uh, a dodgier venue with the hotel above it. Certainly, and it, or at least it was at a time. Yeah, it was at a time. Yeah, now I imagine it's probably like a multi-million-dollar condo or something. I should, <laughs> I should say that. Maybe it's still, maybe it's still a cool place or whatever. Anyway, uh, and he went up there and, and he uh, fell off the wagon and started smoking crack again. Uh, at least according to his column back then. So, uh, yeah. So I imagine there might have been some board issue problems after that. Around. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, he he. He seemed like someone that would have. If, if I know lesser people that can't get into Canada, I feel like yeah. that guy should have issues. A guy in a band called but, Millions yeah. of Dead Cops might have a problem <laughs> crossing an international border in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Do you remember when ETA changed their name? Because they're like, yeah, our initials are ETA, which is uh, the, the, the terrorist group. Yeah. In- the bass yeah. group and so it was uh you know they, they were like i think that's when they changed their name right i don't they i always remember it's like epileptic terror attack i think yeah but they, but they were only on they were only went by that on the first seven inch when they sang in swedish oh, okay yeah and then, then they, they were eta for everything else and then they changed their name after the eta i thought at a certain point i remember well they became regulations but i don't know if that was like like uh, the supposed, they didn't play any of the same songs. It was like, yeah. like I think yeah. like three fourths of the same people, but they yeah. they were in new bands, so That's to speak. True. That's true, but that would yeah. not be a fun border to cross with, like uh, you know, a fun name to cross a border with. I should say, you know, fucked up's a bad name to cross a border with. I could only imagine. <laughs> yeah. This bike is a pipe bomb. Would be not be a fun one to cross. <laughs> I have a feeling that wasn't that wasn't a big touring band. They did. They toured. Right, like they yeah, were, but that was we're talking pre pre nine eleven times. No, probably. no, like dude, they were like still around. Like I don't know, that's the one thing we don't. They remember. were post nine eleven, right? I mean, that, I, I'm gonna not gonna go on any kind of recorded limb about my knowledge of this bike and pipe round <laughs> because I'm totally <laughs> pulling it out of my ass as I talk. But I in my head that was later than that, right? I don't know. Yeah, they were pretty going to the resort like, until two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Okay, well, I'm way off. Yeah, don't worry, Chris. I just schooled you on my knowledge of this bike is a pipe bomb. And uh, hey, first two seven inches, first three seven inches are ninety nine and earlier. First CDR is two thousand. So unless they toured heavily after that, but either way, this band is like a this band's like a long running band. Like they're like one of the bands that kind of became, you know, hugely influential to like a whole crop of new bands afterwards. You know, I like Dave. I don't really uh, don't really know a great deal about them other than, than their name. So, well, I'm uh, yeah, a, a, a real good sticker on like a, a slingshot uh, organizer. <laughs> Definitely but, a yeah. slingshot. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of people who uh, who just yeah put it on their bike and then felt really cool for a minute. No, no disrespect to the band, but that's what I remember seeing. Yeah, there was definitely yeah, they, you know, some of those stickers on bikes. But, you know, I also, they, they were definitely a, a hugely influential band. And just because we don't know about them doesn't mean, uh, <laughs> it's 
not valid. What? Oh, no. Oh, yo, yo, and also, how about the fact that they do have affiliation to Man or Astro Man? They do. Which? What's the affiliation? Uh, Scott uh, Stanton played in both bands. Oh, okay. So, Man or Astro Man's great. Yeah, well, Chris, there you go. So, huh. Someone's going to have to research this bike is a pipe bomb because obviously I just schooled you. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't saying anything disrespectful. I just don't know anything about that. I'm, okay. I'm just kidding. I'm not actually going to say that I schooled you. Um, <laughs> you definitely have at different times, but yeah. maybe this isn't. No, not this time. Uh, okay, and uh, I guess, how do we even get on this topic? I don't even know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Okay, let's, let's, <laughs> now that Dave, about something. Yeah, yeah. Now that Dave know what it's like to be on the the show and what happened. It was it was via MDC. Okay, that yeah. name being difficult to cross <laughs> borders, and then this bike is a pipe bomb. Well done. <laughs> that uh, was it. Yeah. Okay. Let's just. Uh, I guess we just move on. And then, oh, we we're talking about Chris Hanna and MDC, um, and then also, uh, yeah, Chris Murphy from Sloan, who is one of the funniest people in all of music and uh i i think that is one of my favorite conversations i've gotten to have with anyone and also you know i don't know if it what it meant to you guys as americans but sloan in canada was was like our i don't know nirvana (laughs) maybe that's overstating a little bit but certainly uh like a big band for us in canada Uh, they were not something that i'm familiar with Uh, I mean, I'm familiar with just like, I know they're, they're a band. They've got a lot of records. They're fine. Um, I, that probably sounds even worse than I mean it to sound. Um, but (laughs) Nirvana's not overstating. They were label mates. Yeah. And they were also like, they, Halifax was definitely the poised to be Canada, Seattle in like, a lot of bands out of Halifax got signed at that point. Sub Pop certainly went on a crazy signing spree in Halifax. Yeah, I told you my theory on that. I really just think it was A&R. People just wanted to trip to somewhere exotic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, which some of those bands are definitely fine and everything. So They got know. drunk on a heady mixture of that condensed milk and garlic sauce. And uh, I forget what the alcohol is that people drink there. Beer, probably. But um, they got wasted on that. Have you ever, they, I don't know if either of you have ever been out to Halifax, but they have this thing there called Donair, which is, uh, which is like, you know, like, like you know, so it, it's like Hiros meat, but they put on this weird, sweet, condensed milk garlic sauce all over it. And they also put it on pizza, and they love it. They love it in Halifax. And it is honestly the most disgusting stuff I've ever tasted in my life. In my fucking yeah, you're not, life. You're, you're not selling it very well. No, it's like... <laughs> oh, I, but I, I look forward to at least a few letters next week defending it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did a wedge episode out from Halifax one time, and I did a, an entire shot glass full of it. And tried to drink it, and I and I, you know, I vomited. There's no other way to put it. I did vomit it back up immediately because it is so gross. <laughs> You're batting a thousand here for uh, your bodily mentions today. Well, okay. <laughs> I tell you, 
It comes up both ends sometimes. Um, uh, so let's move on to the next. If we're, it, Sorry, if, on. If we're, if we're going to so, uh, something that's come up on multiple lists that I want to just at least give a nod to yeah. is that uh, I do want to acknowledge the 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 uh, Lars episode regarding the. The, the being a you know the drum rock for the necros as well as uh, I really enjoy the story about someone like you know like joining like just really quitting all of the things in their life to like move to another country to join a band but then really not like taking it seriously so to speak yeah like, yeah was, that was amazing yeah like <laughs> I, like I I genuinely enjoyed that that story and everything like I thought that was very entertaining. Yeah, I was going to get to I Lars agree. in a second because Lars is like, uh, you know, when it was hopefully, I think it was hopefully going to come up again because he, it is certainly the episode where, you know, and the, I had met him in person twice before we talked on the phone that time, but it's definitely the one where I was like, this is crazy. Like, I'm talking to Lars from Rancid about all this crazy shit. This is like so surreal and weird and it was yeah like you know i knew i knew kind of the necro story beforehand but to hear you know like the black like obviously just like not putting two and two together like oh shit he would have been around for all this other incredible stuff before he started his also unbelievable career you know it's like oh yeah he was around for just about everything on the west coast you know and then you know, uh, and then also Rancid, as I said, on that episode for me is one of those bands that really got me into punk. I think in a big way, and I, I imagine both of you, Dave's, have a different relationship with Rancid. Um, but uh, you know, there you are. I, um, I, I have no relationship with Rancid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, if uh, I have two. I have I have a couple like tidbits, but I I want to point out this. I don't think I mentioned this because it would be a real far cry from my story for my podcast episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, did uh, it was probably November of ninety five ish. It was post outcome the wolves rancid. I want to say I don't. I think it was the round then, but uh, it was when they were really like seems like they were t- making a lot more New York City ties. Mm-hmm. So there was a show at Coney Island High that was just to be a nerd. It was, I want to say, Flattest, the craze, the casualties, then the blanks. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, I don't know. But uh, then, uh, so then Lars came out during the blanks and they did uh, Chinese rocks. But uh, fucking, there was uh, people, obviously, he was like, an enemy of DIY punk because he was like, you know, in like magazines and like in a, a, a sellout quote unquote, you know? Yeah. So people like this guy who, who did a zine from long Island, uh, I can tell you his name, who cares? His name is Ian. But, uh, he like, they were like, everyone was like giving them the finger and it turned into this like real small, like quasi fight that like got broken up before it even really started kind of thing. Um, but then, like he Lars takes the microphone afterwards. He's like, you know, like I didn't come here to to, to fight, but if anyone wants wants something, like you know, you can we can settle this. But he's standing there with like Isaac and like Toby H two O and like just some of like New York's hardest, 
like all standing with like their arms folded behind him, and it's like no one's picking this fight. You know, like this but is that like, being said. Also, <laughs> I don't think like you know I don't think he at that point would have backed down even on his own. You know, and like having heard, dude was like pretty pretty nuts from the jump when it came to that kind of Oh, thing. I mean, I'm not trying to say I'm tougher than him. I'm no, not trying no, to fight this forehead tattoo guy or anything. You know, I'm not saying any of that stuff. But the, the anything, it's super funny to act like it would be some sort of a fair fight when you have, like, some legit DMS tough dudes standing, like, next as your other, as your team, compared to, like, a bunch of, like, 120-pound, like, Mohawk punk dudes. Like, you know, this was not going to be any kind of fight it got it was over before it started kind of thing they were the um, band that really kind of like brought that side of uh i don't know like uh, i guess hardcore into a more broadly termed punk you know like they were the band that like i remember when rancid went kind of like as you said like more new york hardcore with their connections to new york hardcore bands and af and all that kind of stuff there was like that was when it was like Everyone else was like, okay, this is where we're going to be now. New York Hardcore comes to Toronto. At least in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what, that was the, what got New York Hardcore up, up to, across the border yep. was, was the Rancid connection. Yep, yeah, definitely, I'd say. Like, there was, like, people already liked Madball and people already liked, like, Sick of It All and stuff like that. But I think it was certainly, you know, that Rancid you know, like that Hellcat Records era really kind of mm-hmm. ushered in like a new fan base, I would say, for those bands. Certainly for Agnostic Front, I would imagine. Well, we learned from the podcast that Sick of It All was huge with well, at least one particular Canadian punk. Oh, yes. Um, oh, yes. They yeah. were a big influence on the performance of a certain member of Degrassi. Yes. Who um. <laughs> was mentioned only in one episode list, which is crazy. Yeah, uh, I, I, my, my list was a lot more like little notes more than it was on whole episodes, and I, I enjoy how much she likes sick of it all. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's like the band that like I gotta say like every time they came to town, she would be at that show, and like she would go to other you see her at the other odd show as I kind of mentioned in that episode, but certainly sick of it all was the band that it was always like oh Spike from Degrassi's here, Spike from Degrassi's here, and that was the episode that I you know once again was like you know getting to do it at my house sitting here in my office like holy fucking shit i'm talking to spike from degrassi this is crazy this is so cool and uh, <laughs> it was like yeah like i i'm really you know and then afterward she's like next time you come to ireland let's hang out let's go like let me know i want to come to your show and i'm like yo that would be awesome that would be. <laughs> Have you since though? Uh, I haven't been to Ireland since. No, and I don't think we're not yeah. going to Ireland on this next UK run that fucked up's doing. So I'm afraid that's going to have to wait. I'm going to have to, you know, that's that's a reason to keep touring though. You know, to hang out with Spike <laughs> from Degrassi one day. I've got like that's <laughs> one of those bucket list things. Uh, nice. Move on to the next list, or sure. Yeah, we got two more, so I'll just try and whip through them here so yes. we can get them out, and then we'll have our uh, our final points maybe from the gentleman. Uh, anyway, Kickball Katie mentioned again. People love that episode. It is a good one. Um, Anthony Bourdain, Allison Baker, 
Rick Smith, uh, got to mention at four. I like that episode too. Uh, Lars Fredrickson at five. Scott Thompson at six. Sandy Miranda at seven. Damien, your oh, bandmate. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lou Barlow. Yeah, that's on my list too. Nice. I I like the Sandy one too, and I contemplated doing it as well just to irritate Damien at a minimum, but I, I didn't do it. Irritate me um, at all. I, I hung out with. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Sandy tonight at band practice. Definitely, like Sandy's like the uh, Sandy's my only uh, uh, smoking member of the band to hang out with. So Sandy's my one of the people I'm still friends with in the band. <laughs> yes, I, <laughs> I don't mean to imply anything. I, what I mean is that we would have had to speak. I would have had to force you to speak about Sandy in more length no, I, than uh, you probably speak with your bandmates. No, Dave. Dave hung out with us all. Dave was the one who saw us all in the action this weekend, so he got to see nice. who the camaraderie was with and wasn't with this weekend, right, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, although uh, I guess uh, to beyond, you know, there's no surprises left for me, really. No, that's true. <laughs> that's true. You've been around for some uh, pretty amazingly ugly incidences involving interpersonal relationships and fucked up over the years. It's hard work being in a band. <laughs> it's hard work. There you go. It's hard work, and, and you really take it out on each other, as I'm sure all of us can attest to from our various experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, but oh, also, whose list is this one, Chris? By the way, did you say? Yeah, so I'm gonna Frank Turner nine and Fat Mike ten. Uh, it's oh. Jeff McDonald who wrote in. Oh, that's Jeff McDonald. Uh, so. Freak listener. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Next. Jeff question. McDonald, not not uh, Steve McDonald's brother, is it? No, I don't believe so. No, my brother. Asked <laughs> that would be amazing. Me, Tristan asked me that too. He's like, "Is this is this Steve's brother? Is this like Jeff McDonald?" <laughs> I don't think Cross? so. And I'm like, I don't think so either. Um, but uh, in, in my in my little note, because as I said, I was just putting on things from particular episodes. I just put Sandy taking a taxi um, <laughs> because that that cab story. I thought like I, I really enjoyed her. Once again, you know, I couldn't tell you how many teams I've seen fucked up, but I don't. I don't think I've ever talked to her. I don't. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know her. Mm-hmm. Um, but her going through like very intimate details of like the zine and keeping all her receipts. The, the 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 juvenile idea of just taking a cab to a show with like really no plan on getting home <laughs> I like really enjoyed like I've definitely gone to shows with no like plan to get on how I was getting home as well then never involving a cab I don't think I thought of <laughs> taking a cab um, when I was that young I just didn't I growing up in the suburbs like cabs weren't a, a thing that I would have thought to, to try but I really yeah, enjoyed I, that that story. Yeah, like I I've t- I grew up taking cabs a lot because my dad didn't know how to drive, and so we'd take cabs or t- walk or take the subway and stuff growing up. So like, but even then, does your I, dad know how to drive yet? Nope, and nor do I. Wow. Yep. What? Yep. Yeah, I was gonna say. Nor does my that's little crazy. brother. What? Yep. Ah, that's yep. crazy. <laughs> Yep. Well, if Godzilla attacks Toronto, you guys are on foot. Good luck. Yeah. Lauren's going to yeah. drive. Lauren's going to drive. I'm going to DJ Spotify. That's my job. <laughs> Dave, I have a job. Like it's not like I'm like not doing anything in the car. I'm like someone's got to go. <laughs> someone's got to go between the Damien's All Right playlist and the Kiwi Core playlist that I've made. You know, like who's going to shuffle between those two playlists on on Spotify, Dave? They don't shuffle themselves. That's true. 
And you can't, the, the kids will just get distracted and you'll be listening to this who knows what. Kids would want Nene. So, yeah. if, you don't, if you don't keep the music constant and they just silence, they're going to say Nene. You're going to have to hear the fucking Nene again. So you got to keep that music going. We all that have song jumped. is great. Okay, that song is great, so don't complain about that. That song is great, Dave, but you do not have kids at the age where you've had to hear it now a trillion times. I had some other shittier song that I heard a trillion times, so I can't, I've can't. i tried to block that out of my mind, but I did not have a song that good that the kids were obsessed with at that age. Did, you, so. did uh, any of the people on the line uh, watch... Aqua Teen Hunger Force? No. Yeah, I do. Yeah. D- Dave Martin, did you watch it? Nope. Okay. Nope. Chris, do you remember MCP Pants? Yeah, totally. Okay. Doesn't Nene sound like it's done by MCP Pants? <laughs> yeah, it does a bit, actually. You know, it sounds exactly like a sound-alike version. When you guys, uh, if you want something, Dave, listen to MCP Pants, and it sounds like Nene. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, can we do the last list here? Let's do the last list so we can all go to bed. <laughs> uh, this is from Ryan H. Uh, Joey Cape was his number one. Okay. I backed that. Blagwagon. Uh, Scott Thompson, two. Chris Hanna at three. Uh, KJ Jansen from Chicks Dig It at four. Lars Fredrickson, once again, at five. I think Lars maybe is on everyone's list, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's uh, why I like also like, you know, I said on the podcast, this is my favorite one of all time, and I think leading into the one that happens next week, it's still probably like my number one, too, if I would have to pick a number one. Yeah. Um, you do Robbie Bro- well, Sorry, Robbie Brookside, Brookside. It's number one. It's so tied between the two of them because, like, Robbie Brookside actually was, like, truly – you know, and they're both like, I would say they're inverse of each other, you know, like finding out, like, you know, obviously knowing Lars was a big wrestling fan, but Lars being as deep of a wrestling fan as Robbie Brookside is a punk fan um, is like, I think that's, they're like the perfect, like, yin and yang of pro wrestling and punk. All right. I think one fulfills like a, a sort of, I don't want to say childhood, but... You, you had such an affinity for Rancid at a young age, so that scratches a different itch than the Robbie Brookside one. Yeah, and I think it's also like, you know, there was just like, you know, as Dave said, uh, he's brought up so much cool shit, you know? Like, he just brought up so much, like, funny, weird stories and was, like, so humble, you know, and so self-aware and able to kind of, like, you know, see himself. And, like, I don't know, just like, he's a guy who's kind of really come through it, I think, in a way that, you know, like he went probably through it in a way that very few people have done in punk and weathered the storm far better than people that went through it on a far less level than he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Thank you. So continuing on, real affirmation. Quick. This number six here, Mike Burkett. Did you do a Mike Burkett? I don't remember that. That's that's Fat Mike. That's Fat Mike. Oh, okay, sorry. I don't know anyone's real name. Uh, number seven, Someone John Someone just Worcester. got laid out for a massive hole in epifat knowledge. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Let the emails come in. Uh, number eight, Ray Harkins. Uh, nine, Walter Schreifels. Ten, David Cross. An honorable mention, he says, 100, Ryan. And that is the list, the final list of uh, that we were submitted. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah, Ray. Ray was cool to have on. That's the one that, you know, that's that's someone who first 
wrote to me about Chris, you being on footnotes and was like, it's so good to hear Chris's voice again. Cause you of course had <laughs> previously, uh, known each other. Yes. On tour. Yes. Absolutely. Well, yeah, touring, but, um, they were our, uh, uh, Ray and his roommates were where we would stay in Southern California when we went out West. Usually we'd stay for days on and it was great. And I lived a different life 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and ultimately it's through those roommates that I would meet and hang out with you for the first real prolonged period. That is true. That is weird. We probably for real talk for the first time in a driveway in Southern California, even though we lived not even what an hour from one another. Yes. And to bring you into this, Dave, this is also Bob Shedd's uh, friends and roommates. Yes. Oh, okay. So Yeah. I, there was connections all over there. It's all, it's all this tangled web. It's this crazy tangled web, you know, um, as illustrated by next week's episode, which I keep talking about. <laughs> but, oh, my God, it is so nuts. Uh, but, yeah, and anyway, I think that, yeah, I thank you, everyone, for sending in those lists. Uh, if you still have lists, you can send them in. I'm sure Chris and I can still talk about this for for days um, so if you want to send in your list, still send in some lists and, uh, yeah, really appreciate that. And, uh, I guess, is there anything that we left off of this, Dave, uh, before we go to Dave what? Martin, uh, before you go to your um, list, but Dave, anything from your notes that you wanted to get to? Before? Um, I, I, as I said, I'm basically just put, I put down a handful of like tidbits and I can kind of just blast through them and if yep. you, just to... Um, just because I like I wasn't doing whole episodes. Yeah. yeah um, as I said, I said, Sandy taking the taxi, super funny. Obviously, the dwarves flipper story, super <laughs> yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, the Craig Ferguson Nico story. We're actually we're um, a fan of. Did you know uh, Teen Craig Combo? I'm always fascinated about people knowing if about American uh, Americans knowing. Nope. Okay. Not familiar. Okay, check them out. They're sick. I, I, I plan on it actually, just because of how much you guys have talked about him. I'm like, yeah, I should up. give this. A go. Um, um, oh, sorry, you as, a, as another side note to the uh, Craig Ferguson Nico story. Yeah. Um, uh, around my house, uh, Nico impressions are, are a good joke here and again, just as you know the way she talks. Yeah. Um, so I put on. I don't, is the record called Chelsea Girls, or is it just the record with Chelsea Girls? Um. Um. Correct me if I'm wrong, but does that record not even have any drums? Like, how is Craig Ferguson the drummer of Nico? I, I feel like that record is drumless. Uh, I think I think they were playing drums live on, and I think she was yeah. probably doing Velvet stuff, right? And by that point, it's '81, right? Chelsea, Chelsea, uh, what records is that? Came out? It's just Chelsea Girl. I think Chelsea Girl. Chelsea, is not. Chelsea Girl is like from '67. Yeah. So. He's not the drummer on that record. No, was, no, no. He was later on. Like, I don't but, think he played on any we, records either. I think he just played on uh, like a, that tour where they went out together for that one wild yeah. tour where she told him he was going to die. Yeah, that, 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 that particular aspect I really enjoyed. But then just to, as an aside to that, in listening to that record, like I was like six songs in and I'm like, is there even drums on this record? Like this story might be bullshit. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, I wrote down uh, Anthony Papalardo. I don't know why he's not mentioned by anyone else. But the yeah. same way that like I be I thought his his stories were were cool and uh, it's always cool when someone who you just know is like 
being a guy from like ten yard fight also like has like a real good like knowledge of like thrash metal as well as like early good early hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, not to knock you know ten yard fight or anything, but mm-hmm. um, I, Scott, I concur with that. Yeah, uh, Scott Kelly. I really enjoyed him talking about hearing neurosis places and liking it and then realizing it was songs he wrote. <laughs> I thought that was super funny. Um, Brian Lucero, I talked about, uh, I, Zach Blair, I just like how much people of that age from Texas hate Pantera. And I think it's <laughs> like, like, honestly, like they're not like my favorite band. I could take them or leave them. But people that are like slightly older than me from Texas, hate him. And I think that's super funny. Um, Robbie Brookside, obviously. Um, Scott Vogel, the band with the Robbie old Brookside guy also, the story. Sorry, not to interrupt you before we get to <laughs> yeah. that, but Robbie Brookside, Tear It Up fan. No, I, I was told by uh, Andy yeah. uh, from Tear It Up. Well, also, that, but... I was texting him today, and he's like, and I'm like, oh, I, I met I met Andy. For, I was hanging out with Andy from Tear It Up this weekend, and he was mentioning to me uh, how cool it was meeting you. And he's like, can you please get in touch with me? Get him in touch with me because he told me he had a T-shirt uh, for me, a Tear It Up shirt. And I'm like, yeah, I'll definitely get him in touch with you. Yeah, because Andy, like, I, I remember in my group text I have with him and some other people, asked if we cared about him remaking some Tear It Up shirts so he could make Robbie Brookside one. Like, <laughs> I, I have like, why would I say no? Like, I don't care. Yeah, go, yeah, go for it. And you know, but uh, and you know about also yeah. future guest Jeff Cannonball's tribute shirt to tear it up, right? I do. Yeah, I, I know Jeff. Like, I, we're not like tight or anything, but I, I always talk, say hi to him when I see him and stuff I, like that. I saw Good. him do the craziest thing I've seen anyone do in my fucking life in a wrestling ring, and it was like. And his, and just like, you know, he's like a nice, he's just like a hardcore kid, right? Yeah. And he, yeah. And he did like, and he took this like Kenzon thing and got it hammered into his head and watching him get it taken out backstage. And he's just chill as fuck, joking around with everyone as they're taking this thing out of his head and they can't get it out. And then it takes like all these people and pliers and all this crazy shit. And he's just like, he is the toughest person I've I've witnessed in my life. It's nuts. Anyway, yeah, digression. Wrestling. That's not my world. That's crazy. No, but hit that tear it up shirt. The logo, you know, with a skeleton with the impact, like the mm. dead. What was that? The bullseye logo from from uh, uh, dead. It's from uh, Daredevil. Vertigo. Oh, Vertigo. it's a. It was like a pol- I want to say it was a Polish Vertigo poster. Um, that was like in a book, you know, and then the internet makes everything everywhere. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we got it by like Paul from tear up, got it from like a, a Hitchcock book he had. Okay. Well, no, like, cause it like definitely is very fitting now for a guy who had a Kenzon drilled into his head. Yeah. Um, to go back to my, to go, to go back where I left yes, the well, Scott Vogel, being in a band with old guys story, I thought was real funny. <laughs> and the, the kiss story in particular, uh, uh very memorable. Um, I enjoy never a fan of AFI, but I enjoyed the Davey Havoc, uh, episode as far as once again, being, you know, pretty sharp about and being pretty humble. And, you know, I thought it was, I mean, it's not like he's, 
not like he's old, like him being sharp isn't, shouldn't be all that notable, but you know, he was a, a very coherent interview and like interesting, even as a, not a fan, uh, Lars, I went over, uh, the Walter box of seven inches. I just want to throw that out there. Yes. Because we all probably were pretty, you know, talking out loud, you know, to no one while listening to that episode (laughs) regarding that box. Um, I said the the Amanda loving uh, from Degrassi loving sick of it all thing, and just to I don't want to like focus on people that I like know well in person because I feel like that's cheating. But I I don't remember. I feel like it was kind of glossed over. But I really want to point out that Brian from Nightbirds would write bands letters, and like he had like this box of like correspondence that was like it wasn't. They weren't like hard hitting journalism. It was just like him writing to bands, being like, "You guys are great. Mail me a sticker," kind of stuff, <laughs> and then having stickers. So I just wanted to—I don't remember if that came up in his episode, but I want to bring it up because we used to always make fun of it. <laughs> I don't um, think you did. I don't think you brought that, that up because it's probably like a very he, deep he, psychological scar for him now. <laughs> he would write bands letters all the time, and and just like, but he was like fourteen. Like even if they were probably yeah. playing the next town over, he wasn't going to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and that was just something that when the, the things that people did when they were like had no pretense about like what they're doing could be construed as lame. Uh, I always think is super funny. And him writing Ben's letters as like a real young kid, I thought was super funny. So I wanted to just you know throw him under the bus. Sandy, while I have that. <laughs> Sandy also the, was the time to do that. Sandy was also doing that too. Like she would write. Remember she wrote to Davey Havoc. It came up on the episode, and she wrote to a bunch of people, and it was like. You know, and it was like they would write back a lot of times, which to me is like, wow, like that is a lot of effort to go to. Yeah, but I mean, depending on the band you're writing to, like if you're writing to like Bomb Squadron, like in Lancaster, PA, like it's probably the only letter they ever got. So like they they can write back to that, you know, like what else do they have to do? Sandy was going to write back to Davey Havoc from AFI and and the Bouncing Souls. Granted, not as big as they would become, but still, like, you know, it wasn't Bomb from Lancaster, PA, or sorry, what was the band? Bomb Bomb Squadron. Uh, Squadron. That was just just to name, like, a total throwaway band that I know he wrote letters (laughs) to. Uh, You can can look them up on Discogs if you wanted the footnotes of this footnote. Um, I saw them a couple times. Uh, early lineup, they had a skinny singer, then they got a real fat singer. Uh, wow. I, I'm pretty sure it was. I hope it, I hope it was not the same guy because he looked very different. But I'm pretty sure they. That was a very easy tell that the guys were were very different looking. We're gonna have to ask Brian if we can go through his letter archive and find out if they detailed this in some of the correspondence. <laughs> the singer. The yeah, singer I mean, I, I hope fluctuation. That, uh, he wrote, he wrote, but he did write like a lot of like not big name bands letters, like just very small time bands letters. And I thought it was super funny. That's awesome. Uh, okay. Uh, is that, is that it for your list, Dave? Yeah, that's all I wrote down. Okay. Then Dave, cool. let's get to your list. Well, you know, now my list, a lot of it was covered by, by you and Chris, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and some of it is, is, is stuff, you know, like, of course, I in like the Gerard episode was great. Um, mm-hmm. Stephen McDonald is probably the hands down most insane and best one. Mm-hmm. Just be, you know, I mean, that is it's just so crazy and 
And to think about, you know, being that age, you know, and being in, in the band, you know, like so insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, uh, Don Pyle episode, a huge shadowy men fan. So that was, that was a great one for me. Um, one that you obviously seem very self-conscious about is the, uh, the J. Mascus one. Um, I think it's great. I think that, um, Jay talks more than, uh, almost any other interview that <laughs> you could imagine, you know, find, uh, with him. So, uh, and, and his stories were, were great. So, uh, you know, I mean, Jay can be tough to talk to, like tough to get him to talk, but I felt that he talked more than he does with almost anyone. So that, that one is, is quite good. Uh, Brian Walsby, that's a big one for me. Um, you know, uh, you know, did you know Brian at all? You know, did you know Brian at all? Um, I mean, okay, so that that scared straight, um, ill repute show, mm-hmm. the, la- the last show was in Pittsburgh, uh, and I was there, and uh, you know, and so it was it was a huge event. Like the next day, some, one of my friends called me, and they're like, "You won't believe what happened. They got all their gear stolen," you know, and so it was like, you know, it was a real event. Uh, and then, you know, I think one of um, maybe Erectus Monotone stayed at my house once. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, never more than just a few, you know, like. Wait, was he, he in Erectus Monotone? We had some conversation. Sure, sure. Oh, I had no idea you know? about that one. That's I have that as yeah. sentence too, and I, I had no idea. Thank you, Dave. That's the thing is like yeah. you school Chris and I every week on stuff. Yep. You know, so. uh, I guess I don't know. It's just it's because <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> no, well, you know, no. I know a lot of old people. Some that saw the haunted, even, and uh, you know, yes. not, not all of them know how significant. Uh, that you know, like is. the haunted. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sandy's episode was just amazing. Um, you know, I mean, Sandy rules and, and her episode was just, it was so, so Sandy. No, it's so genuine and just like, uh, you know, like you, you somehow wanted to get into punk all over again when you heard her episode. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was great. But the episode that I, that just blew my mind because I had no idea who this person was, never heard this band, still have never heard the band was Ian from a tribe called Red. Um, and I think it's because you two just, like, I, I mean, I think you said that you had just met, but you sounded like the oldest friends. It was the most natural flowing conversation of any episode, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so, he's, that, he is one of the people that I, like, out of anyone who's kind of come on as a guest, someone I've wound up becoming, like, that I didn't know beforehand. Definitely the person I've become the closest with. Like, I love that dude. He's like stayed at my house, like come over dinner. And like, you know, like I, it's, it's amazing. Like I really, you know, a lot of the best things that's come out of this thing for me, it's cause it's, it's taken a lot of time. Definitely. I've been exhausted a lot as I'm sure all of you will be. And I really appreciate you guys putting up with us for this long. tonight. <laughs> uh, but I, 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 you know, like the thing I've gotten out of this most is meeting these people and kind of making these relationships with people. And he's someone that, yeah, like he, in in their group, they put out their record 
that they just put out is one of those records that I don't know. It's just like it's such a, a, a achievement, you know. And I and I was there to kind of watch it all come to come to fruition from the sidelines and just to to see it happen. It's been awesome, and and I think they're just going to get bigger and bigger because they are one of those groups that just have something to say, and you know, one of those rare groups that you know plays music that's populist, but also has a legitimate message and that is just so tied to everything they do um but yeah that's also one of my favorites um but yeah no i think uh i agree i i kind of you know michael alago is another one that i would definitely put on one of my favorite lists because i like all those people that just get to be in so many different places and in in so many different scenes uh you know like there's just so many i could go on forever but i won't is is his is his documentary out? Uh, no, it's not. But Drew Stone's doing it, right? From Antidote, like the connections never end with Michael. <laughs> but I think they're still rapping on that um, as as we speak. But uh, I guess I, I guess I can drop this now because if you're listening this far into this footnotes, you are a deep <laughs> head, and I'll give you a bit of an advanced <laughs> spoiler. But uh, in the upcoming weeks, I have Doyle from the Misfits on. And the stuff he says about Michael Alago is awesome. But he was talking about his stuff in the documentary, and I think he says it's not out yet. So I believe that's still being worked on. But, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun one. That's coming up in a couple I, of I, I, I'm sure Chris is chomping at the bit to get into that footnote. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've already, got an, I've already got a contentious jump-off target topic for that one, which is even though I'm not saying they're my favorite band or even close to my favorite punk band of all time i will say that they're probably the greatest punk band of all time uh, i mean Stunned i mean i i'm from new jersey so it's not like i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna act like i you know i it's, it's like one of those things like saying what's your favorite for something that's like you know, that you hold so dear. It's, so it's hard to say, like, what the greatest punk band is. I know. I think they're just, like, one uh, of those bands that just, like, they're they're so much bigger than the genre. And, like, if you compare them to the Ramones or you compare them, they're just, like, so much more of a complete package than, you know, like, and, like, people would say, well, like, like other bands had, like, aesthetic mission statements, like Black Flag, obviously, and stuff like that. But, like, I don't think it's, it's not a, as a complete vision as the Misfits were. And, like, the stuff that comes out in this Doyle one about how he was kind of groomed from the age of 13 to be in this band, to be that guy. Yeah. It's like, you can tell, like, it just seems to me like this band is, you know, almost not a punk band in that sense. But, like, I think to me, like, just, like, so complete a vision that it's it's the great. Yeah, I mean, to... to... I know it's not written by Keith Morris, but to talk about another punk book that's relatively <laughs> new, okay. um, there was just <laughs> one. Just one. <laughs> the, the, um, there was a. Uh, a I was called like this. Music leaves stains. I believe it's called right. Yeah. That newer Misfits book. Yeah. Um, and they kind of go over that how much, you know, even as much, much as it wasn't like Glenn's idea, so to speak, how much Jerry really pushed to have Doyle be in the band. And I even mentioned at one point they were talking about like one of the, like their other brothers like to be a potential drummer or something mm-hmm. like that when the when they ended up breaking up. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know. Well, that's like definitely but, the, the uh, I guess like the it, 
you know, he he was, and like when and, you know, once again, this is going to get tons of stuff I say in that episode. But you know, if you're listening this long, it's already you deserve some spoilers. Um, there's a uh, he. I, I say to him, and it, it's like he's almost like more than anyone in the Misfits. He's like the Misfit. Like when you picture the Misfits, it's not like you're picturing necessarily Glenn. Or, 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 well, you're maybe picturing him and Jerry kind of like playing guitar with the armbands mm. and the devil lock, and it's like that's like the image, you know. But it's him, like, yeah. ripped to shit, you know. I'm, I'm a very in the the, the Damien game of your removals from people. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, I, I have very few generations to get to misfits. Oh, really? Because of. Because uh, Graham, that was in Fast Times, is in like it was in various Doyle von Frankenstein type bands. Oh, really? And Graham, yeah, he left hand Graham of of like those bands was Graham that was in Fast Times, and he also played bass in Dead Nation on a tour. Um, so he was in a band with me and was <laughs> oh. in a band with Doyle. So, you're- so very very short. Yeah, like Short list. you're like in the Misfits practically is what you're saying. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Using Damien Math, you're in the Misfits. Um, no, yeah. I, actually, have you heard that new Doyle record, the one that came out like last year? I have not. It sounds like Alabama Thunder Pussy. It's super sick. It's like I really <laughs> like it. Um, That's not what I expected you to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's also not what I would typically say after that, after you mentioned that particular band name. But anyway. You don't like Alabama Thunder Pussy? <laughs> I don't feel I mean, either way, but I don't know if I'd feel that strongly. The band name leaves a little bit of design. No, it's. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, they're fine. You know, I, I have no problem with, you know, r- like rock and roll, so to speak. But <laughs> it was uh, not what I expected you to say. Okay, well, I guess we're not I all think the phrase, like, Framing it rock and roll, so to speak, I think says everything it needs to say there, I believe. Well, <laughs> I guess we're not all fans of Man Ruin of Ale Side Projects, but that's, you know, there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess the uh, I, they are an Avail spinoff, that's true. I don't think about, about that. Yeah. Yep, which is, you know, good. that's like, for me, puts you beyond reproach. So, um, But I guess, like, unless there's anything else, uh, I want to thank you both for coming on. Is there anything else, though? Oh. I mean, I don't have anything relevant yet. I can, yeah, do this forever, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have you both back. <laughs> yeah, no, I... Yeah. You guys di- digressed off of Dave's, yeah. <laughs> Dave Martin's point, so I don't know. Dave, did you have anything more? <laughs> uh, I don't think so, no. I mean, I could, like, I, I too could just keep going, but, you know, no, nothing of note. Okay, well, I uh, really appreciate you both coming on, and we will definitely do this again. And then, Dave, you will be on for a real episode one day of Turned Out of Punk. We will get to record that. And, one day. Uh, we'll have a good time. And uh, this is, uh, you know, if there's any, if you guys want to be reached, you can we can say that now. If you don't, you can be like Chris and just float like a ghost on the internet. Um, <laughs> if you want anything to plug, you can do that. But if not, you can be like Chris and float like a ghost on the internet. Um. I, I uh, I'm I'm around. You can you can find me via the internet pretty easily. Uh, it feels weird to be like, here's my email address. So, yeah, so maybe don't if, get... if you, <laughs> yeah, if, if, you, if you if you Google Dave Ackerman, you could probably find me on uh, Facebook. And I change my Instagram name constantly 
because it's fun to me. So my current Instagram name is Victim of a Bomb Dave, but it'll probably oh. be something different by the time this comes out. It uh, is good. Your your choices are very good, I will say. Yeah, I, I change it up pretty often. <laughs> yeah, Man, Man or Astro Dave or one of them was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Ackerman or Astro Man, I think is what. There I we think. go. That was what it was. Yeah. Like. yeah, it's usually either my a play on my last name or my first name. But you know, the, the, I figured if it was the previous one, I think was a uh, Gypsies, Tramps, and Daves, and I feel like that was not punk enough to uh, be on this. So I needed to change it again. Well, that's why uh, <laughs> victims of a uh, what is it, Bomb Dave? Yeah. yeah, that is definitely you know you can't get too much punk than that. No, the, the, those records are still within the thirty. Whoa. Okay. Well, there we know. Now we know <laughs> yeah. some of the hitters that are in that box. Yeah. I went online and I looked at the clear vinyl version of Raped Ass, and mm-hmm. that's a thousand dollar record now. Yeah. It's on. It's it's on my discogs. Like I get an email whenever someone throws one of those on there. I I just have a regular copy of it i do not have a, a special version i did not i sh- should have done that when i was when that was not a thousand dollar record <laughs> yeah no it is definitely I, I i cannot believe that that is a thousand dollar record there's like that is one of those ones where you're on discogs and you're like well that is a very shocking i will never have that record now uh, um, i did not spend a thousand dollars on anti-cmx records and i had a good chunk of them including doubles of anarchist attack at one point Wow. So a thousand dollars for that one is is crazy to me. Yeah, yeah, I love that twelve inch, and I think I think my favorite's the twelve inch, the painkiller, painkiller, or or self titled or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, that to me is like I, don't I, know. I, 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 yeah, perfect. But, but we could talk about anti semix all day. Uh, Dave Martin, do you have anything mm-hmm. you want people to reach you at or anything? Um, much, much like, uh, Dave, I tuned on the internet, uh, probably, you know, the email, I, you might be able to figure it out, but you can find me on, on Twitter, on Instagram, or just find me somehow uh, like you, Davian, I'm not on Facebook. No, but you also, uh, you, so. and you don't play the Instagram post pictures of your records game. Uh, I, I post pictures of records on the Instagram. You do? I not every, I'm, it's normally boot boot report. Well, I, I do. I love I love those boots. You love but, those boots. Um, <laughs> People have no idea but, what we're talking about too when we say you know, boot report too. Yeah. Well, they can they, they can follow you get and to find out. People. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, um, yeah, you can find me. Awesome. Go well, for it. Well, now, uh, if, they, if you want to find either of our guests today, you've got some sleuthing work. But if you listen to this podcast, you're into that kind of stuff. So um, uh, enjoy your research time. Uh, thank you once again to our host for uh, joining us. Uh, Chris, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I just had one final thought. And I wanted yeah. to make sure because it's episode 100. Uh, you asked me to start doing this, I don't know almost 50 episodes ago yes. but uh, I have you to thank for knowing the two gentlemen that joined us today and I'm very appreciative of that so uh, apart from everything else we do on this show I'd just like to thank you and uh, our two guests for uh, being you know, regularly entertaining for me to check out every week and, and what's sent in and things of that nature so thanks guys well Chris no, you, you don't need to thank me because yeah. I need to thank you for putting up with my rambling each and every week, because <laughs> you truly have the patience of a saint, I think, has been illustrated. Um, and should be a, an elementary school teacher or a kindergarten teacher or something. 
um, because I think that what might be your calling because you certainly have a way with children. Um, uh, but I think that's it for this week. Next week on the show, guys, it, it might be the best one ever, ever, because uh, it is MVP and Zach Blair from Rise Against, and it turns out that they met each other when they were 15 years old in a park in uh, suburban Dallas, or just outside of Dallas in Texas. And uh, it starts off some of the most incredible stories I've ever heard in my life. So that is next week on the show. Um, And, uh, yeah, once again, thank you, everyone, for joining us. If you want to reach us, how do they reach us, Chris? Turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. And if you want to reach me at left for Damien on various forms of social media, you can find fucked up tour dates at fucked up.cc. You can, uh, find, uh, yeah, that, that's it. That's what we'll put. That's what we'll leave it at right now. I think. Oh, Tumblr. Uh, go to, uh, tum- <laughs> turnoutapunk.tumblr.com. Go to facebook.com slash turnoutapunk. It's run by my brother, Tristan Abraham. Thank you, Tristan, for doing all this stuff, buddy, because I really appreciate it um, and, and helping us out with this stuff. So, and, uh, yeah, that's it. And we will see you all next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.